I think this place is restricted, Wang, so don't tell me you're Jewish. Okay, fine. Hey, kid, I'm Al Chervik. I'm playing with Drew Scott today. This is my guest, Mr. Wang. No offense. Oh, I can give me half a half of those, those Vulcan D10s and set my friend up here with the whole schmear. You know, clubs, bags, shoes, gloves, shirt, pants. Hey, orange balls, I'll have a box of those. Give me a box of those naked lady tees and give me two of those. Give me six of those. Oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Well, you buy a hat like this, I'll bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. I'm all right. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? Welcome to another episode of Just Gale the City. Hope everybody had an amazing Thanksgiving holiday weekend. <laughs> Hope everybody's doing okay. Oh, yeah. Because I'm all right. No matter worry about me. Woo! Well, that's Billy Joel, isn't it, though? I know he does a woo in it, but... Uh, yeah, so today is the day I told you about. We were just going to go over Caddyshack coming out in, I think, June of 1980. I remember it vividly because I saw it in the movie theater. And because I wasn't 17, I had trouble getting into the theater because it was rated R. And now when I see it now, I'm like, are you for real? You're not going to let a 15-year-old in the theater? Of course, that was the fun of a rated R movie. To sneak into the theater and see a rated R movie trying to figure out why. In fact, I believe it was the first rated R movie I ever saw. And I remember when Ted Knight gets hit in the balls with the golf with the with the golf ball, gets hit in the balls with the ball. I remember thinking, oh, maybe that's why it's rated R. And then I uh, saw Cindy Morgan's boobies, and I'm like, oh, that's why it's rated R. Although nowadays I think you can show boobies at PG, but I was just trying to figure out why is it rated R? Why is it rated R? What's making it rated R? To this day, I'm still not sure. Of course, that was a different. Now it's a different rating system because if you were PG back then, then or now, a PG is more like an R. I don't know. Who cares? Does anybody even listen to ratings anymore? Is that still a thing? I don't know. Uh, since I don't have any kids, I don't know. But I haven't heard my nieces or nephew ever say, "Oh, we can't go. It's rated R." So, do, do they even rate movies anymore? I. I don't know. But anyway, here's what we're going to do today. We are going to go over the year 1980 in film. We're going to go month to month. And we're just going to talk about the nonsense or perhaps ones that we love that came out. What is this? 50 years ago? Is it 50? No, 43 years ago when this comes out. That's that's still a long time. I'm like waiting for it to be. It'll just be easier when it's 50 years. Hello. Well, we'll start off with the the one, and I I saved up two of them that I think may be, as I've told you about my class, may be the worst movies of that uh, particular year. I'm trying to find out the worst ones. Of course, we all have different opinions. So I'm going to what I'm going to do today, as I told you, is go through the movies and just talk about what came out in 1980, because all 80s movies, my theory, and it's not a theory, uh, stink. And when we say if they hold up, they still hold up in a shitty way. 
This is my theory, but let's take a look. Let's prove that theory today as we start in January with one of my favorite movies, which sucks, and I've been making fun of for years, which would be Al Pacino in Cruising. I That movie is the, just the idea. Al Pacino made so many bad choices, almost like John Travolta, but somehow he got his career back on track. But Cruising, and although I love author, author, the next year, you know, this this is a bad period until he got to Scarface in 83, and still, technically, when that came out, was a bad choice for him, but now, as we know, is an unbelievable cult classic, which rules. Speaking of which, actually, so, so well, let's just go. So Cruising is Al Pacino as a cop, Undercover, I don't know if you guys know this, in the gay biker community. <laughs> so as an actor, why would you want to do this? I don't, I mean, this guy's obviously out of his mind. It, did, it didn't really make any money because it sucked and nobody wanted to see it and it's weird. However, Dave Juskow has a connection to it because I was, when I was in, a band uh, called Cow, K-O-W. The lead guitarist and the guy I used to write the songs with, his name is Rick Borgia, and he used to play with this guy called Willie DeVille who wrote all the songs for Cruising. They were even on Saturday Night Live. And I remember he's saying, oh, you got to see the songs. You got to see Willie DeVille. So I'm like, no, those songs are gay. He's like, they're not gay. You just think they're gay because they're in the movie Cruising. And it wasn't until he said, I'm like, oh, I never thought about it that way. I just assumed they were just gay songs because, you know, I, I, I have never even watched that movie because I can't I can't sit through it. It's just too it's too disturbing for straight men. about these what about them what are they for well like blue hank in your left back pocket means you want a blowjob right pocket means you give one the green one left side says you're a hustler right side you're a buyer the yellow one left side means you give golden shower right side you receive the red one please no, see anything you want uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go home and think about it I'm sure you'll make the right choice. I assume maybe somebody would be able to watch it today. I wonder if my nephew could watch it. I don't know. I, I Again, I, I just don't know if you're Al Pacino, why you would choose to make this your <laughs> movie. <laughs> it's still always going to crack me up. But speaking of Al Pacino, another one that was released that year that I totally saw multiple times, uh, I think at my house in the basement, with two girls and my friend Lawrence is dressed to kill with Michael Caine, Nancy Allen, and Angie Dickinson. <laughs> Which Angie Dickinson is the name I always want to use and in, in feeling that I'm old, even though she's way before my time too, where I'm like, how come Angie Dickinson's never at the... I, I just want to keep using that as the person 
that I want to see because most people my age, I guess, would use Pamela Anderson. But I think it's funnier to use Angie Dick. Where's Angie Dickinson when you need her? Something like that. This was a Brian De Palma movie who, of course, would go on to make Scarface with Al Pacino. And Michael Caine plays a trans a trans person, right? A trans therapist. I'm just I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I know it so well. He plays Bobby. Well, I think you'll know that Bobby. So Angie Dickinson was going to him for therapy. Turns out it's the therapist that she had, which turned I'm giving you the spoiler alert because it's not worth watching. I remember the uh trailer. Brian De Palma invites you to a murder, something like that. Do you find me attractive? Of course. Would you want to sleep with me? Yes. Then why don't you? Because I love my wife, and it isn't worth jeopardizing my marriage. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been so rude. Thank you for picking up. Mm. The master of the macabre, who shocked audiences everywhere with Sisters, Carrie, Obsession, and The Fury, now invites you to a showing of the latest fashion in murder. <coughs> dressed to Kill, Michael Caine, Angie Dickinson, Nancy Allen, Dressed to Kill, Murder, Made to Order. Yeah, and I remember... That you know, you know who's in that is the kid who plays the son in Back to School. He worked with the Palma. The Palma loved him for some reason, and uh, but he's good in that movie, and he kind of uh, helped solve the case. But and I know Bobby wanted to tell you hello. So yeah, I see. I remember it so well, and then I play that Brian De Palma invites you because it was so stupid. I don't hate the movie, but it is, but it's not good. Brian De Palma invites you to showing murder. Uh, uh, Carrie, uh, remember how to beat the high cost of living? Because Jane Curtin was in it right after Saturday Night Live, like because they, the Blues Brothers had the thing, like she was in it, didn't make any money. It was stupid, uh, but I remember all these movies, and then one of my favorite hardly working Wayne Fetterman and I were talking about this one because what didn't he say he was in it on the Tuesday show I think he has a small part because they taped it in Florida gotta remember this movie so it's Jerry Lewis and it's almost his last film I think he wrote it and directed it he's out of his mind and all I remember about it is just it just was so horrible and and awful and in the sense of like you know there's, I remember he's working at a gas station. I just remember this off the top of my head. He's working at a gas station, and they start playing the music because he's going to do a bit, but it's so clear he's going to be doing a bit. 
Oh, I mean, the nerve of this guy. Watch out, America. Jerry's back. The world's funniest funny man has something to say about inflation and unemployment for all us working stiffs. He's the original jerk. Bumbling and stumbling. It's Jerry Lewis in his first new motion picture in a long time. Oh, I like that. Hardly working. More fun than a day off. Oh, my. Oh, boy. That what a horrible film and uh, just uh, solidified his horribleness. <laughs> and apparently a horrible human being, as Wayne said, since there has some sort of connection with USC. And then if you remember Saturn three with Farrah Fawcett, Kirk Douglas and Harvey Keitel. And it was a bomb and it took place in space. And of course, the only reason it was popular at all was because Farrah Fawcett was in it and she was she might i think she had just left charlie's angels to do saturn three it's funny if she had maybe made a really good movie it's possible her career could have gone a little bit further but obviously she was so pretty and we watched it anyway and it takes place on you know the third moon in saturn it's perfect where i think just her and kirk douglas live she might be a robot i can't remember and then in February, all right, one of the good ones, I guess, although I've seen it recently, so it sucks. It just doesn't hold up as American Gigolo, which, of course, made Richard Gere's career. Blondie music and stuff made a fortune. It was a huge box office hit. Box office hit, not a big, but it was like, you know, 20 of the year. And of course, everybody was talking about it. But does it hold up? No. And of course, that was the year Caligula came out because we always think Caligula must have come out in the 70s or something with Malcolm McDowell. I was telling the kids about Caligula when we were watching Time After Time. Malcolm McDowell, Helen Mirren. It's so weird. And what is it? Peter uh, O'Toole. I don't know if you, you know, I've seen it recently. I think I told you guys and they just put porn into it. Who was the guy? Bob Guccione Jr. Got somehow a hold of it and he put porn into it. It's totally rated X and it is a mess and a legendary horribleness. There's a bunch of legendary films that just were known for sucking so bad in 1980 we'll get to the other one meanwhile hero at large if you i don't know if you remember this one with john ritter and ann archer i i've been talking about this in class hero at large was it was pretty fun if you're again would never hold up and john ritter becomes kind of a superhero like he stops somebody at a at a store. Oh no, he was he's an actor, I think, and he's wearing the costume and he stops a burglary. So then he goes out and stops more crimes in his costume. And it's pretty 
bad, but yet we didn't hate it because John Ritter is awesome. Somewhere in the heart of this city, in a small shop closing for the night, a robbery is in progress, but help is on the way. Mind if I drop in? Captain Avenger! John Ritter is Steve Nichols. How about that? Hero at large. Who are you, J. Edgar Hoover? I'm Captain Avenger. Such a nice boy. He can't fly. Tomorrow I'm leaping over a tall building at a single bound. Wrong guy. I'm expanding. He can't bend steel. I'm in big trouble. Fighting crime is a dirty business. But when there's danger, he can't turn away. You're a crazy man. He dresses up in a comic book suit and goes around doing good deeds. Hold it right there. Don't make another move. If they're going to use real bullets, I think I'll retire. He's loved by women. I'm not always this easy. I bet you say that to all the girls. Cheered by men. They want their superhero and all he stands for to hold on to. And worshipped by children. Captain Avenger. Yes, sir. Let's see you fly. A hero's work is never done. He's nutty, but noble. I'm counting to three, Milo. Who the hell is that? This is Robert Redford. He's dizzy, but dedicated. People putting themselves on the line for other people. That's what being a hero is. But he's really just an actor who got carried away with a role. It's just like any other part. You gotta really get into it. Captain Avenger. Send you out on these missions anyway. Your agent? I took a third-rate movie, made it the biggest hit of the year with a simple gimmick. Captain Avenger comes to your neighborhood. Authorities are still wondering who the man in the red, blue, and yellow costume with a large A on his chest really is. It's me, Steve Nichols. All he knows about heroes is that people need one. Uh, yeah, I heard it a couple of times. All he could do was make himself hero at large. Well, I think it's really terrific. John Ritter. Ann Archer, Bert Convy, and Kevin McCarthy. Hero at large. At last, help is on the way. Boy, they really made some shit back in the 80s, and it's just proving my point. It's fantastic. Just fantastic. And, of course, there's this movie, Midnight Madness, which with Michael J. Fox made no money. We just liked it as kids because it had Eddie Deason who played Eugene in Greece and Michael J. Fox. And it was such a stupid movie. It was on cable all the time. So we were good with it. But again, you know, it's early Michael J. Fox. And we used to talk about it all the time and fun. And then there's a, that movie Foxes, which I've never seen, but I know it kind of ruined Jodie Foster's career because it was supposed to be kind of a comeback for it. And it didn't do well. And well, I mean, I know it's Jodie Foster and Scott Bayo re reconnected from uh, what's the movie, the Alan Parker movie, uh, Bugsy Malone. Yeah. So I'm reading about it now. The film was Foster's penultimate major film appearance before taking a sabbatical from acting to attend Yale. So that makes a whole bunch of sense. It didn't do well. And it's, but the repairing of Jodie Foster and Scott Bayo. You know, now I, you know what? Now I want to see it. But it's so bad, it it drove her away from it. She's like, I got to take a break. This is awful. Then you have, like, a coal miner's daughter, which I don't know whether it holds up. It sounded boring to me. It's Sissy Spacek. She obviously won the Oscar for it. So that's a decent movie. I just don't care about it. I don't think you do. No one talks about it anymore. But it is kind of a legendary film in the sense, I guess, that it just did so well. And it's, uh, who, who's it about? Uh, what the, what's, what's, what's it about again? Um, 
what was it Loretta Lynn I think Loretta Lynn right yeah and then of course you know again this involves Dave Juskow this movie Serial came out which of course I remember as a kid because then I ended up working with the director Bill Persky who used to write the Dick Van Dyke show and he directed this movie and then he directed Dave Juskow in a cooking show on the Food Network the guy who wrote Serial or directed Serial with Martin Mull and Tom Smothers I just want to see if you're okay I'm fine why well you know people talk mm-hmm. what do they say well you don't believe them do you in an insane society the same man must appear insane Where'd you get that? Star Trek. God, I missed that show. Again, I am not looking this up. I just know this information. The only thing I've looked up so far is foxes. Because I never saw it. Everything else I've either seen or I just know information about. And this is why I guess it's okay that I teach this course. Because look at all the useless information I have in my head that finally I'm taking out of the head and putting to good use and teaching the, the the children of America about horrible movie making. Do you know that in May of 1980, Friday the 13th came out? Now, how are we not going to talk about that? Now, as you know, Friday the 13th stinks. But how can you not talk about that it all starts in 1980? Now, I think everybody that we know has seen the first one, it's got Kevin Bacon in it. It's a classic, a classic slasher film. But my God, what that became. And we are talking about a, a, a stupid, stupid premise about, remember, the first one, I believe. The, it, it turned out to be Freddie's mom that was killing everybody because she was mad that the counselors at the camp were making love while her boy was drowning, Jason Voorhees. And of course, then in the later ones, for some reason, he comes back to life and never dies. And then it's just fucking stupid and horrible. And each one is worse than the next. But it is a fascinating franchise. And it's absolutely iconic for hockey masks and the Halloween with another franchise. But I'm just saying, look at this. This is like one of the I mean, Halloween came out maybe two years before. And the fact that this came out and just was Friday the 13th part two Friday the 13th part three of course in 3d four five six I remember seeing in the theater every year there'd be one then the the new blood of course my favorite Friday the 13th part eight Jason takes Manhattan I remember I didn't I've only seen half it but I just remember saying well that's goddamn brilliant I mean if you're going to keep doing it you keep coming up with new ones Jason goes to hell. Brilliant. Jason X, you have to go 10. Then brilliantly, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy versus Jason. You just sit there and they've been, they were bringing, like, I know they were getting like new directors, like, you know, young directors to have a new take on it. Uh, you know, brilliant. And then they just redid it in 2009. As Friday the 13th again, and I guarantee that will not be the last. And it all started in May of 1980. And of course, that same week, what came out and went nowhere is the nude bomb, the Get Smart movie, which was 
absolutely unwatchable and probably 20 years too late. I don't even think they used Barbara Feldon. 36, 22, 34, 86. Maxwell Smart is back. You've heard of the naked gun, but would you believe the nude bomb? Nations of the world. This is chaos. We have in our power a devastating new weapon, rendering the entire world completely new. The fate of the entire world is in your hands. Maxwell Smart is a fool and a bump. You cannot be too careful with your gun. Are you all right? Missed it by that much. Now I have an issue. A stapler telephone? That's fantastic, Carruthers. Can it also be used as a stapler? No. Oh, well, you better work on that. This thing runs on ink? That's fantastic, Carruthers. Why, do you realize that could be the answer to the fuel shortage? I'm afraid not. Special kind of ink comes from Saudi Arabia. I'll be at my piano number in half an hour. If you need me earlier, call me on my jockstrap. But please, just ring once. What did he say? He asked me to take my hand out of his groin. What did he say? He wants you to put your hand in his groin. Only one man has the power, the skill, and the charisma to save the world from global nudity. And loving it. Don Adams stars in The Nude Bomb. There are a lot of people out there that would like to see me dead. They're not all out there. Yeah, if I remember correctly, the chief was the villain, and it really pissed me off. I can't stand when they do that. Remember, they did that in Mission Impossible too, uh, the the movie. And I, you know, I don't, you don't like that. If you're if you're watching it because you were a fan of the TV series, you don't, you just don't want to see that. But boy, I mean, first of all, you have the word bomb in the title. You're looking for trouble anyway. Meanwhile, that same month, May of 1980, the movie Fame came out. Now that's a really good one. Fame was great. She's so good, right? She just died. The, the the girl singing Irene Cara. But this movie was so good. It's so amazing. I won't even watch the remake because there's no way it can be as gritty as this first one. One of my favorite directors, Alan Parker. And boy, the, you know, they, they just, you know, when they make movies like, what is it? The, the one that Anna Kendrick's always in, the, the you know, the, the singing ones with the, the kids. It's, it's just that they, this is never going to have the grit that somebody that, that that this movie has it's it's amazing so i would say out of so far in the 1980s this first six months we got maybe you can say coal miner's daughter but nobody talks about it but fame still lives and is still cool i think that's the one so far and of course 
that next week, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back comes out. But that doesn't count. We don't consider that an 80s movie. But obviously, you know, hey, then when you say what a year, Star Wars, this number two, probably even better than the first one. What a miracle. And then, of course, three days later, The Shining comes out. Now, there's a, a keeper. There's one that somehow got out of. Now, remember, I, I don't think it was popular when it came out. And again, like Scarface over time. It, no, no, it was popular. OK, it made some money. It was number 12 out of the year. Uh, I wasn't sure. But, you know, over time, it's become a classic. And obviously, it's Stanley Kubrick and all that stuff. So. There's a couple that have come out of this 1980 or the 80s that we still watch today. But, I mean, do we look at The Shining as an 80s movie? No. Because when we're not looking at ones that are from 1980, we look at them like, well, we know what an 80s movie looks like. Like the nude bomb, which is really a crossover from the 70s. And The Shining doesn't, you don't look at that movie and say, oh, this was so made in the 80s. And most of these movies are like that. One I remember completely growing up, you know, when we first got cable television was up the Academy. And again, what is Dave Juskow's connection to these movies? There's three movies so far where Dave Juskow has a connection watching them as a kid and then meeting some of the people in it. Up the Academy was the first, I believe, Mad Magazine movie, maybe the first and only I think they were trying to do what National Lampoon was doing. And they made this up the Academy about, I think, a military, a junior military school, if I remember correctly. It was directed by, I believe, Robert Downey Jr.'s father. So Robert Downey, he's not in it. He was supposed to be. I know all this information because his sister, Robert Downey Jr.'s sister, was my manager. Uh, about six years or seven years after this movie came out and she's in the movie and Robert was supposed to be in the movie, but he was so high. They didn't, his dad just was like, Oh, just forget it. And from what I've understood, the dad was problematic too. And it made no money. It was a huge bomb, not the nude bomb, but just a bomb. But now that I think about it, I remember it did have something and Howard, Stern uses this all the time, and I think what is it, Ron Liebman, I think who plays uh, Rachel's father and friends was took your ass with feather. I remember that was one of the lines in it. Took your ass with feather. From the madman who started it all, Mad Magazine presents Up the Academy. Welcome to Weinberg Academy for Boys where cadets are in the hands of the most gifted faculty in the nation. Say it again. Mind, sir. Say it again. Mind, sir. Say it again. They will learn to function in an atmosphere of freedom. Jeez, I don't remember the barbed wire in any of the brochures. Shorts collection. They will develop basic skills of survival. I was just on my way to the laundry. Why don't you slip out of your little undershort? We're going to do our laundry tomorrow. They will be provided with intense intellectual stimulation. Smooth to the touch, but highly explosive. Any questions? But tensions from the classroom are often relieved on the playing field. Here, team effort is emphasized and individual accomplishment. 
left is applauded. Cultural activities are of equal importance. And social intercourse with members of the opposite sex is encouraged. With our instructors always setting the example. Do you like it when a gentleman ties you up? What? You know, with rope. This then is Weinberg Academy, where young men of good character are prepared to meet the future. Don't you know why you were sent here in the first place? Because you're outcast. If you can qualify, we invite you to apply. Remember, the men who change the world have to graduate from somewhere. Madman who started it all, Mad Magazine presents Up the Academy. You know, uh, now that I think of it, I, I feel like Ralph Macchio was in it, but that's not ringing a bell. I just, I remember, you know, it was just on when we had cable and they only had three movies on. So that was one of them we we're just watching all the time. It was absolutely awful. And that same year, Urban Cowboy came up, which I don't know whether it holds up, but it certainly did make a lot of money. And it was kind of what I always consider the big three of John Travolta, John Travolta's career, because he had what, what he had Saturday Night Fever, Grease, and then Urban Cowboy, one, two, three, which were huge hits. And then after that, all downhill after that but that is a legendary film that came out of here does it hold up probably not deborah winger again who would go on to do officer and a gentleman she had her uh, that might have been her first i i can't remember but she certainly had a nice run as a female in this business and then do you remember that holy moses it was awful too and i think it was also john ritter richard pryor madeline khan dom deluise dudley moore it had Everybody where it should have been the greatest movie uh, ever. And, of course, the Blue the Blue Lagoon, which it is actually legendary, but a very bad movie. Brooke Shields was a Christopher Atkins, I believe, right? And that everybody was talking about that back then. Brooke Shields was so beautiful, but, of course, everybody also thought it was stupid. But I think it kind of holds up but it's not good but it holds up in people's minds and then of course the blues brothers came out i mean i'm always got my friend joe as i was recording this as i was recording this just texted me and said hey the on sundance our favorite scene is coming up you boys owe me a lot of money for all that beer when we first came in, uh, the bar lady never charged us for the first round. So, like, we figured, you know, beer was, like, complimentary for the band, you know? Oh, no, no. Uh, uh-uh. Well, I'll just go out and take up a collection from the boys. Well, I tell you, I sure would appreciate it. Nah, no, no, no. I mean, this, is a, this movie came out 43 years ago, and my friend just texted me five minutes before I started this podcast and said, hey. No, no, no. And then, of course, that same month, that same week, Can't Stop the Music came out. It was a disaster. That was the day I realized that Bruce Jenner might be gay. 
because the poster alone, and I think I saw the movie because I think it was supposed to be about an origin story for the village people. Oi, but let's face it, they had a lot of really hip tunes. I mean, very popular. And it's just Bruce Jenner on that poster is wearing a, like a belly shirt and short shorts. And I'm like, now, why would a guy who we all as boys worshipped because he won the decathlon and he was on Wheaties wear an outfit like that? And you have to, you, you know, you question yourself. You don't know what gay is. You don't know what trans is. But you're like, eh, I don't get it. You know, and no one, you don't care. And I'm happy for him that he found his way. But. You know, it was just, I guess I knew in 1980 something was up because you just have to question, like, what? I, I can't imagine the producer, like, it'll be hilarious if you wear that. I think that's his choice. Well, it would be okay if I wear short shorts? Um, I guess. Oh, well, Nancy Walker directed that movie. Nancy Walker played Rhoda's mother on, uh, the, on Rhoda and the Mary Tyler Moore show and then had her own show, Blansky Beauty. So, I don't, maybe it was her choice. Bruce, you know it'll be funny. You wearing a little belly shirt. Short shorts. I'm Rhoda's mom. She doesn't talk anything like that. I don't know where I got that from. Actually, there's a movie that came out with Peter O'Toole, which I think he was nominated for, called The Stuntman. I remember it so well because I had the soundtrack for it. The movie, I didn't think was very good. Nobody remembers it except me. Peter O'Toole, I'm pretty sure, was nominated for it. It's obviously easy to find out. But it didn't do well, and it wasn't good. And there's better movies about Stuntman, obviously. A little thing called The Fall Guy. But I remember the music, and I sing it in my head to this day. Isn't it unbelievable? You can see how that would stick in your head. Oh, I remember it so well. Oh, my God. I love that song. And I I mean, I, I remember it so well. It's unbelievable. It really is how it stuck out. But why wouldn't it? If you're, you know, what, 13, 14, it's like the coolest. And it's called The Stuntman. Even though. The movie itself wasn't as exciting as you'd like it to be. Meanwhile, in July of that year, 1980, Airplane comes out, changes everything, made a fortune, spawned, you know, whatever. I mean, just made Leslie Nielsen a genius like we were talking about on the show with the Jets and the Hard Knocks and just changed everything and really formed the 80s in that sense in a good way 
then getting the naked gun and airplane two wasn't very good, but that kind of comedy and learning about the Zucker brothers. And that's an interesting thing that just really just took off and really shaped the eighties with Leslie Nielsen and made him a comedian, taking a guy who was just at every serious role ever made. And then all of a sudden became a legendary comic actor. It's unbelievable transformation. I also remember that summer, my bodyguard coming out. I saw that in the theater multiple times. Chris Makeman, that's where I got my Ruth Gordon imitation from. Also, Martin Mullen, that one, right? My, because you you kind of relax because your father, everything's going to be all right. You're going to worry about anything. Matt Dillon is in it. He's the villain, of course. He's amazing in that. Just, he kind of let to live a little. I don't think it did very well, but I remember just that and Caddyshack were my summer movies that year. Caddyshack came out a couple weeks later after that used cars well of course we were talking about kurt russell and that's the robert zemeckis uh directed and bob gale film way before so they were you know doing a movie that would just get them to be able to make a back to the future but yeah then caddyshack came out that summer changed comedy bought us i mean obviously animal house started it but caddyshack 1980 started our run for the great Harold Ramis, Caddyshack doing really well at the box office, of course, enabled Harold Ramis to become the kind of director he was going to become. And that is just right at the start of the 80s. It's as if the 70s just left and 1980 with our new president just started. And you know what came out that year also as John Travolta at Urban Cowboy. Well, Olivia Newton-John had Xanadu. Soundtrack is fantastic by for some reason the yellow. She's so pretty. This movie blows, but it is a cult classic with uh, what is it, Michael Beck from the Warriors. It's such a shitty movie, it's so hard to watch, but she's so gorgeous. Gene Kelly, I think it might have been his last movie. She gets to dance with Gene Kelly, which isn't fair. She's gotten Olivia Newton John who can't dance. For some reason in her lifetime, got to dance with John Travolta and Gene Kelly in one lifetime in a two-year period. That's not even fair. I mean, at least, uh, you know, if it was something like, a, I don't know, Catherine Zeta-Jones, who apparently does dance. I, I don't know. I, 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 that's the first example that came out of my head. Meanwhile, Zanet, oh, my God, she's so talented. She she was so beautiful. That's what the only reason I watched that movie. I did okay. It just wasn't a classic and people hated it, but it is definitely a cult classic. I don't even think I knew it came out in 1980. I thought it was a seventies movie, but it came out and Smokey and the Bandit two came out 
then and that did unbelievably well and people loved it and i watch it all the time i still like the first one better but it made a lot of money and you're talking about a time that it made a lot of money when star wars the empire strikes back was in the box office and that's the one with the pregnant elephant of course but everybody seemed to like it that's when burt reynolds was still Burt Reynolds. You're talking also about Sally Field, who had just recently won an Oscar and yet still did, was very smart, and came back to the movie that kind of helped her break out of her flying nun and Gidget characters. And then the movie in September that came out that I believe won Best Picture that year is Ordinary People. And again, although people remember it, it did well at the box office and it won, and it was Robert Redford's first movie, nobody remembers it. You remember it, and you're like, I don't want to see it again, but it's there. What is it, Donald Sutherland? Is that is that who it is? And and the guy who won Best uh, Supporting Actress, uh, the actor, the, uh, Timothy Hutton, who ended up directing the song Drive by the Cars later on. I don't know why. He won a Best Supporting Actor and then was never seen again. I mean, yes, he was, but he technically wasn't, and turned out maybe he wasn't that great an actor. I never wanted to see that. It looked horrible. Was Judd Hirsch in that too? Or maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the guy I'm thinking of. Was it Judd Hirsch? I don't know. I never wanted to see Mary Tyler Moore in a serious role. I just, she just never did it for me. So I don't know. It just looked really slow and sad and not interested, especially back then. And Woody Allen, his movie that year, Stardust Memories, nobody liked it. Obviously made no money. But he was he was in this weird period where he was just kind of like eh, 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 until he got to well he got to Broadway Danny Rose which was great but still you know didn't do well until he got to Hannah and her sisters so he's like leveling you know he just had done Manhattan and then Stardust Memories people didn't like you watch it now you like it a little more but it's extremely self indulgent I mean that's what he does and it's you know just him being like he doesn't want to be bothered with his fame and that's what the movie's about and. There's a lot of flaws to that movie. It's not his best movie, but if you are a Woody Allen fan, it's good. The Elephant Man came out that year, which no one talks about anymore, but people like, I think actually it was produced by Mel Brooks. And, you know, everyone was talking about it. I mean, to this day, people still talk about it. Who directed that? Some was it David, no, not David Lynch. Do it. Do I have that right? Yeah, David Lynch. And Anthony Hopkins, John Hurt, and Anne Bancroft, John Gilgood. I mean, it had everything. And I, I'm pretty sure it was produced, if I remember correctly, it was produced by Mo. Well, I guess it's easy enough to look up. It doesn't have his name on there, but I could have sworn he somehow, his company had something to do with the production of The Elephant Man, which, how cool is that? Oh, God, book two came out that oh God, I remember it so well. Remember, Oh, God is such a good movie with George Burns and John Denver. Such a fun movie, I believe, directed by Carl Reiner. And then, of course, they did the sequel with, I think, Meredith Baxter, Bernie's husband, David Bernie, and this girl, Luann. She had one word name. And it was just, you know, we had seen this before. It was stupid. But I think I've seen it 20 times where God comes to see this little girl and have her say, yay, give everybody my message, whatever. The Paul Simon movie, One Trick Pony, came out. I don't know why that was done. I don't know what it did. 
It bombed. And of course, the movie I talk about in class uh, last semester, Somewhere in Time, which didn't do well, but now is an absolute cult classic. And I, I, I was telling my students, this was Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour, that people still go to the place where it was filmed every year, even this year, 2023, they have in October, it just happened. They have a somewhere in time day and a weekend and you go up there and you spend time at the hotel they were at and everything that has become a cult classic private benjamin is still great it's on cable a lot i still watch it goldie hawn it made a lot of money it was really successful um, <clears throat> i think they sent me to the wrong place uh-huh See, uh, I did join the army, but I joined a different army. Uh -huh. uh, I joined the one with the condos and the private rooms. <laughs> it was number six at the box office. And again, you're talking about when Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back was there, made $70 million. That's amazing. It was so entertaining. She was so good in it. That was her heyday. It's just her joining the army. It's like the and then, you know, late after that, they did stripes. Maybe they got the idea from that. I don't know. One of my favorite movies as a kid, again, during this time was Motel Hell, <laughs> which was just these people that had people, this couple that the crazy couple that had people buried in their backyard up to, up to their heads. They like buried them and like grew them or so. I, I don't remember. I just remember it as a kid. It being one of those movies, like a sick horror movie, real cheap, made cheap, didn't make any money, but it was on all the time. I just remember it so well. And that same, this is, we're talking about November 1980, Raging Bull comes out. Now that makes no sense that it is in this genre of movies. It did not make money i don't think it's now it's known as and nobody could have believed it didn't win best picture it's almost an embarrassment but of course robert redford directed ordinary people so i think that had something to do with that because raging bull is kind of a masterpiece as we know now but it took some time to figure out what a masterpiece it was obviously martin scorsese robert de niro joe pesci the the three three caballeros who went on to make awesome awesome movies and then you come to the end of the year and of course flash gordon comes out now flash gordon was an instant bomb people hated it It wasn't a bomb bomb. It was in the top 20, but people hated it. But the Queen music, the band Queen, and now it's definitely a cult classic. Obviously, they talk about it. Seth MacFarlane worships it. My friend Alex Sulkin, because we all liked it as kids because we knew it was stupid. And it's the basis of the movie Ted and Ted 2 because we love the guy that played Flash Gordon in it quarterback for the new york jets and the music and this whatever they tried to do was interesting it didn't work 
and it just sucked but it goes into that category of it'll be around forever in its cheesiness and again mark the start of what's going to happen in the rest of the 80s perfect also we're talking about december so they were releasing all these movies that they thought were going to be big like for instance robert altman's popeye with robin williams and shelly duvall so shelly duvall had two technically big movies come out that year with the shining and popeye popeye people hated it but it made money what am i i'm popeye the sailor and i am what i am what i am and i am what i am and that's all that i am because i am what i am obviously robin williams did a good job people just hated it i don't know if that's considered a cult classic or anything and what a strange director to the robert alt i mean the guy was known for just being high all the time so i guess maybe it made sense but of course that same day stir crazy came out with richard pryor and gene wilder now directed by Sidney poitier i mean that just didn't make any sense but it made a fortune it was a huge huge hit everybody still remembers it now i finally just saw this movie and it's not very good but the combination of richard pryor and gene wilder just worked remember they should have been in blazing saddles together but richard pryor was high as a kite and then they ended up making four movies together because the combination worked uh this is right after silver streak they had already made a movie together and then they were re-put together and it really worked i mean everybody was talking about stir crazy the still uh, I remember that line when just from the trailer when they go into their jail. So, yeah, we bad, we bad. And people just loved it. And then that same, a week later, the sequel to, what is it? Every, which, every, shit. It's the Clint Eastwood movie that, because the sequel is called Any Which Way You Can. Every Which Way But Loose made a fortune in the late, I don't know, maybe the year before, two years before, Clint Eastwood and the orangutan. You remember that? And I think Ruth Gordon. Hey, what do you need? And rang it saying, what crazy. You know what you're talking about? This is a life. Clearly, what's here. So they made the sequel, and the sequel, which just absolutely sucked, made a fortune. Number five for the year. And then rounding out the year, the, you ready? The, the movie that came in second to Star Wars, nine to five. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five musical about it and Howard Stern just had Dolly Parton on the other day but this movie does not hold up and nobody talks about it the song will live forever but it made a fortune Jane Fonda 
you know, this is her time. Uh, Lily Tomlin and Dolly Parton, Dabney Coleman. It doesn't hold up. Doesn't sound like an 80s. Sounds more like a 70s movie. So I think it's just right in 1980, the, the perfect combination. And then a really great movie that is totally underrated. This Neil Simon called Seems Like Old Times. Chevy Chase, Goldie Hawn, Charles Grodin. If you haven't seen this movie, you can do yourself a favor and really enjoy this movie when Chevy was Chevy and it was awesome. And I don't think it did very well. And people didn't know about it. Like I didn't know about it until much later. And it is so good. I guess because it came out nine to five was just killing it. And this was the December of 1980 when they're bringing out all the, the stops. I don't know. Star Wars was out. I don't know why it didn't do well. And on Christmas Day, one of my favorite movies as a kid, Altered States, with that idiot William Hurt, who's just as the worst. And But Bob Balaban, who we all love, who plays the uh, the head of NBC, and Phoebe's father and friends, I'm just stating the newer ones, but Altered States, that was a good one. In fact, the song Take On Me, the video where he's hitting his hand on the wall to come back from a cartoon into a real person, is taken from that movie. Alter states. And I remember seeing it as a kid about six in the morning before I went to school. And I was <laughs> telling my teacher, I'm like, yeah, I was watching it and I got a funny feeling in my penis. And he's like, what? Uh, well, I mean, what I'm saying is, I don't know what the hell I was talking about. I was just, <laughs> and then I think I, I tried to like do what they were doing. And it was about the, uh, what are the, those tanks that you go in the, the deprivation. Oh God. I'm still, De- de- self de- i don't know the tanks that you go in and then you're supposed to maybe come out and, and experience this stuff and that was a good movie that's a good movie but again nobody talks about it doesn't hold up i'm the only one that knows about it because i just remember it as a kid so for oh so just finally let me just talk about the box office you talk about star wars empire strikes back nine to five number two like right there maybe a hundred thousand dollars less Hundred thousand, hundred million dollars less. Stir crazy, Kramer versus Kramer. That's coming over from nineteen seventy nine. That one best picture of the year before. Any which way you can somehow. Private Benjamin, Coal Miner's Daughter, Smoking the Bandit Two, The Blues Brothers, which I didn't think made any money because it was so poorly panned by everybody. And Ordinary People, Popeye, The Shining, Cheech and Chong's next movie. I didn't bother mentioning it. I could because I can't believe it made that much money, but I guess it makes sense since they made like five more after that. Caddyshack, Friday the Thirteenth, Brew Baker with Robert Redford, The Jazz Singer. That must have come over from. Wait, how did I not see that? Because, uh, God, I loved that movie, but yeah, it wasn't very good. That's the uh, Neil Diamond, Flash Gordon. Oh, Flash Gordon did. Well, I guess it made some money. Or who knows? Back then, we considered twenty-seven million money. I don't know. Bronco Billy and Raging Bull. And then it just goes on to a lot of the stuff we talked about. Meanwhile, I'll end the podcast by telling you the ones I left off that when I'm looking for the worst ones ever made for that year, I would definitely talk about the fiendish plot of Dr. Fu Manchu, which is not only a bad movie with Peter Sellers, but nowadays, if you watch it and you're going to tell your students about it, it's Peter Sellers playing you know, Fu Manchu, and he's like, 
Ah, so I I want to very much tell you. It's like that uh, cartoon we played with uh, Charlie Chan, with the white guy playing an Asian guy. Oh, people are going to be pissed. One hour after seeing the fiendish plot of Dr. Fu Manchu, you'll want to see it again. Who, who? Today, I am 168 years old. That is because of my elixir vitae, source of life and youth. I just wanted to play a little bit of how he was talking just to make sure I got it right, and I know I did. And the final one that I put out, probably the worst movie ever made in 1980, and everyone knows it, would be the Gong Show movie. Exhausted from your new movie, huh? I hear there's a scene where a guy blows out a candle by... and that you and your girlfriend... and that two young girls actually... No wonder you're exhausted. Hmm? You couldn't show it on TV? So you had to make it into a movie? Oh, goody! The Gong Show Movie. Starts Friday at a theater near you. From Universal Pictures, rated R. And written by Robert Downey Jr.'s dad. Boy, he made some real crap in 1980. It's funny how his son kind of is now, has the highest grossing movies in the world ever with all the Marvel movies. And his dad has the worst movies ever made. Fascinating stuff. But yeah. The Gong Show movie, horrible. As a matter of fact, Howard Stern used that movie as an example of what he did not want to do if he did a movie about himself with private parts. He used that as the example. We've also seen that movie talked about by Chuck Barris himself when, you know, if you read Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and his craziness and the fact that he says he works for the CIA, I mean, obviously all put together by an extremely crazy person well anyway that's what we were doing today i hope it comes out in a cohesive way that it doesn't sound like it's all over the place i think we had a good time we talked about a lot of crap that maybe you remember the way i did when i was little or that you've seen some or you want to see some and now i might have to see some of the stuff i did i don't know i don't want to see cold minus the winter but maybe i i kind of want to see foxes that's what i got out of this podcast the, the one that the one that repaired jody foster and scott bale how can i not remember i mean i remember the movie i didn't know scott bale was in it because i remember the poster just had four girls on it i wonder who those other girls were but i certainly remember it as a little boy Growing up in a small town in New Jersey, and how much these how much I even realized back then, boy, movies stink unless it's Star Wars, and how Robert Downey Jr. Sr. ruined show business. Thank you very much, folks. I'm here all week, and I'll see you with a fresh new podcast next week on another exciting episode of Just Gal the City. Good night, everybody. Bye.